Hey everybody, this is Luis, and you're listening to the Ordinary Yogi Podcast. I'm a yoga and meditation instructor that happens to cuss and at times be wildly inappropriate. On this show, I break down the woo-woo teachings of yoga and connect them to the real world. My goal is to show you that you don't have to live or look a certain way for yoga to affect you physically, spiritually, and mentally. You can be an ordinary yogi just like me. Does being a gun owner prevent you from being a yogi? Or does being a yogi prevent you from being a gun owner? That is what I'm going to be discussing today on The Ordinary Yogi. I wanted to bring this up because I feel there's a big, there's a huge dichotomy of, you know, because you do this and you meditate and you malas and, you know, no non-violence and all that sort of stuff, that... The idea of owning guns is very, very, uh, it's very anti whatever life you're trying to live. And, you know, it just kind of, we just fall into labels. And I feel, you know, there's a certain place and time to plant your flag on this is what I believe. And, you know, if you want to do that, more than nothing support for you. But when we divide ourselves or label ourselves like that, we limit ourselves on what we can experience or what we can try to understand a little bit more. You see this a lot. I feel like diets now are really politicized on, you know, if I, just because I eat meat, uh, in some people's eyes, I don't give a fuck about the environment or I'm just a horrible person that kills like innocent animals. On the opposite end, right, if I eat nothing but plants, then I'm just a hippy-dippy guy that just fucking weighs 150 pounds and whatever. But, you know, the more we divide ourselves, and I think there's some higher powers that uh, definitely manipulate people to put us in camps. And I think maybe it's even human nature if we, it's, it's easy to understand life if it's black and white. But, of course, life is very, very gray. So the idea of guns and yoga, I wanted to bring it together because probably by the time I, if this episode airs, I will be a gun owner. Now, as far as, you know, my relationship with guns... For those who don't know, I am an active duty in the military for now. And you would think that I'm just all about guns and pew, pew, pews and action figures and stuff. But for the longest, I was not necessarily anti-guns, but I just didn't, I didn't see the point in having them. I thought it was kind of silly. It's like, why would I need a gun at any point in time? Especially when it came to hunting. You know, I was totally... Not again, not anti-hunting. I just like, I don't get it. I go buy a package of meat at the store and it's totally fine. I don't need to go out and kill an animal. And, but after that, I started becoming, you know, started, I guess, being curious, you know, hearing more people talk about hunting, about guns and trying to build an understanding of why do these people feel that they need them and having conversations and hearing opinions. I, I began to like, oh, I, I kind of, I get it now on why... I want to own a gun. Sometimes it's just like, I just like guns. It's fun for me. And this is just my hobby. And that's totally cool because I have hobbies as well. Other people feel, you know, it's my right to have them even better. Others, it's more of a protection thing. Other people, it may be, this is the way I provide, you know, if they do hunt. So there's a lot of, again, a lot of gray. And, you know, you see pew pew media gun nuts. And again, I think there's other powers at play here that try to divide us, that just because I own a gun, I'm this super right-wing person that just falls into all the, you know, the pitfalls of that camp, right? 
But then fast forward, I become a father and I start to worry, right? I, I heard on a podcast, like when you have a child, you are the most vulnerable you've ever been because your heart lives outside of you now. And I see this little person that is completely helpless, unable to really defend himself. And I start to get it like, okay, if something were to happen, what can I do to protect my family, right? You know, uh, I, I have this thing where, you know, you hear a noise in the middle of the night, you just start playing through all the scenarios in your head. Okay, what can I use as a weapon? What am I going to tell my wife to do? And a couple of times that happens, like I have nothing. I have a knife in my in my nightstand. I have kind of knives all over the house. This is I accumulate them <laughs> over time. And that's it, right? What else can I really do? If shit really hit the fan, what would I be able to do? And there's also, you know, the idea of intersectionality where, yes, I do practice yoga regularly. I meditate regularly. I'm very open to the idea of energies and an afterlife and a universe and all of us being connected. But I am also a father and a husband, and I feel it's my responsibility to be able to protect those people that I love most in this world and that people that live in my home. So, you know, just because we fall into one camp doesn't mean we have to live all those things. So when we talk about yoga and, you know, essentially violence because guns are designed to inflict violence on things and people or animals, whatever, the first thing that comes to mind is ahimsa, which is kind of like the the granddaddy of all the the philosophies and rules is to nonviolence or non-harm. And in this episode, we're talking about, of course, harm to other people or to things or animals. And yeah, I shouldn't go out and just murder people or shoot people willy-nilly. Okay, I'm not going to do that. But there's another deep understanding of ahimsa, and that's the idea of also preventing harm to protect those who are unable to protect themselves. And this is in being of service of something greater than yourself. And this is how I, in my head, I, I look at, you know, the military. Granted, there might be some manipulation, yada, yada, but the core belief or the idea of the military is that we are in service of our country. And yeah, that means sometimes we have to inflict violence to prevent violence from coming on other people or onto ourselves. And that's kind of the idea. And if we look at the, the Bhagavad Gita, good Lord, there's the whole thing is surrounded, is kind of based in this battle scene of Arjuna, the warrior prince. And he's having this conversation with Krishna and he doesn't want to fight these people. He doesn't want this battle to commence. And it's a huge deal. And he has this, you know, this argument with himself. And Krishna essentially says, this is your dharma or your purpose as a warrior prince. And if you don't complete your dharma and you don't fight these battles and fight these people or really just fucking regulate on these fools, then a whole bunch of other people are going to suffer, you know, and unfortunate, this purpose lies on you. And kind of that's a long, there's a lot more to it, but for the purpose of this episode, that's what I'm sticking to. So we go, we'll fall into this Dharma of purpose. And I I going back to, you know, myself being the father, the husband, the patriarch of my family. That is what I feel is my, one of my purposes is to provide safety for my family. Not only safety, you know, emotionally by, or by providing and having a home and all this stuff, 
But if something were to happen, not saying my wife can't defend herself because she's very capable, I would rely, it, it all falls on me, right? At the end of the day. And that's just the way it is. And that's the responsibility I carry as the masculine or the man in the relationship or in our household. And if we talk about, you know, the masculine energy, one of those characteristics is to protect. That is what we do. I hate to say it, but, you know, men are essentially expendable. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, uh, if society were to lose, you know, majority of its women, it would come to a screeching halt because they cannot have that many people. They can't produce that many people. If we lose half the men, that's fine. I got plenty of semen to go around. That's okay. We're going to survive. And it's as much as it sucks, right, to say that as far as men that essentially, you know, in the grand scheme of things, we're expendable. We also have a responsibility to protect those that aren't, and that is our women and our children. And as far as going into the masculine, you know, borrowing from uncivilized uncivilized men uh, from Trevor Boehm, and I'll put him in the show notes, one of the big things is we need to work on as men is to be dangerous, but not a danger. And if we look at weapons and, you know, how to defend ourselves, if a man has never trained with a weapon, I'm talking about, you know, a handgun or whatever, you're more of a danger than being dangerous because you have no fucking idea what you're doing. You're probably flagging people left and right. And this kind of goes into, you know, the training that's necessary. So that's kind of my spiel on why I feel I need to have a way to defend my family, which is why I'm buying a gun, right? I'm not going to get it just to look cool. Granted, I like shooting guns. It's pretty fun if you've never done it. That is my main driver. And it didn't really click until that little person came into my and my wife's uh, life. And if you're, you know, if you're not a father of whatever, if you have people that you care about, I guarantee that you would defend them to the best of your ability. And the more ability you have to do that, the better you're going to be able to defend them. So this goes back to being dangerous, but not a danger. So how can yoga, if, you know, if I sold you on like, hey, no, it's okay to own guns. How can yoga physically and mentally help us become better gun owners? Well, physically, of course, you know, we limber up. We can move in a lot of different directions. And if you've never shot a weapon, there's basic positions, you know what I mean? Standing prone or, or lying down and all kinds of other stuff. But rarely are you going to be, if something were to happen, you're going to be in this like really kind of calm state. You're really kind of uh, standing on both feet, kind of just... It's not going to be like shooting at a range, right? You may have to move in different directions, stand in different directions. And the more your body is able to move and be in these different positions, which can be kind of difficult, the more dangerous you're going to be able to be, right? If I can shoot lying down or crouch down versus I can just stand because I can't squat down, then yoga may be a good thing to help you get into those positions. The other thing is the breath. Right? When you're shooting, if you've never shot, the breath is a very key thing. If you don't control your breathing, if you're not aware of your breath, your shots are going to go all over the place because as you breathe, you're moving your body and it's going to mess up your sight. So being aware of your breath, practicing your breath, especially a three-part breath, is another thing that yoga can do to help us become more efficient in our shooting. There's I interviewed Sheila Schmidt 
uh, I forgot what episode, I'll put in the show notes. And she essentially uses yoga to train law enforcement officers. It was a great episode. And in that episode, she actually talks about how she was totally against guns, but now she's all about it. And she combines these two things to help law enforcement officers to prolong their life, not only physically and be able to be, you know, shoot better, but also mentally, right? Through the meditation practice. It's a fantastic episode. I'll put in the show notes if you haven't listened to it. Which brings me to the mental part of it. The emotional regulation that yoga or meditation has on somebody can definitely help because if I have huge anger issues, you know, holding a gun may not be the best thing, right? I want to be level-headed and not just take out that thing and just flash it around every time someone upsets me. Also, when you're, you know, if and when you have to use it, you want to be as centered as you possibly can. It's very difficult to say because once you're in the shit, adrenaline's high and you kind of fall to the level of your training. We'll talk about that later. But through these practices, we're able to, again, regulate our emotions a little bit more, maybe our anger, maybe our anxiety, and we can control it and maybe not jump to using that weapon so quickly, right? Maybe we'll be able to back away from the situation and not altercate it. The last thing is as far as tapas, and tapas is talking about discipline or the, the practice of using a weapon. Again, you may have one, but when's the last time you actually shot it? When's the last time you went through it and cycled drills? Just like anything else, if you don't use it, you lose it. If I don't step on the mat for a long time and practice yoga, I may be able to do okay, but I'm not going to be as fluid. I'm not going to be able to hit those positions as well because I'm out of practice. So this part of yoga, as far as tapas, is great when it comes to developing any kind of skill. The more we practice, the more we educate ourselves, the more proficient and dangerous we're going to be with this weapon. And tapas also talks about a devotion or respect for this practice. And by devotion, I mean removing all ego and going in you know, with that beginner mindset all the time. And the more we do that, the more devotion we have towards our practice, the more respect we have for this weapon, which is very dangerous and not fuck around and play with it, the more our practice is going to be beneficial for us. If I go in full of ego and just John Wayne everything, I'm not really going to get as much as I can if I understood how dangerous these things are. This is where education comes in. And the more I practice, again, the more efficient. And there's this phrase that, you know, when the shit hits the fan, essentially, we don't rise to the level of our expectations, but we fall to the level of our training. So being consistent with our practice with this weapon, if and when we get it, is a key thing to being more dangerous, being able to use it more effectively, and be able to protect ourselves more. You can't just have it have it sit in your fucking nightstand and just expect when something happens, you're just going to be John Wick and just blowing people's brains out all the time. So those are the things that I felt where yoga can kind of tie in and make us a little more efficient gun owners if we were one or if we're planning on being one someday. You know, the the, the final thought I have on this is, you know, in the, in the Gita, you know, around about... Uh, idea of it is you know in the material world 
you're going to have violence. By material world, I mean just the world we live in, right? Not the, the afterlife or what's up the universe with the cosmos, all that stuff. The material world is going to have violence. That is just a part of the life we live. Animals kill each other all the time. People are animals, I feel, I, from what I understand. And we're going to get violent. And that's just a part of what it is. I would love for everybody to be happy and loving, but that just is not the case. And although I may not seek violence, I feel like I need to be prepared to answer the door when and if it comes knocking. This was a shorter episode. I hope you all got something from it. If you have any comments or anything you anything came up for you during this conversation, please let me know. If you like this episode or if you like the podcast, please do me a favor, leave a rating review. I would really appreciate that. And that is all. I will talk to you all next week.